PBS and PR. I can do my PBS voice very You well. can do that. <laughs> because I can't do the college radio, but I can do the PBS. Why? Uh, what happened to you? What happened to your throat? No, it's the fun drive. <laughs> Is it the fund or the fun drive with Marconi? It's the fun drive. Yes. So this is about as good as I can do. Right. Because I was absent. Well, we were all absent. Last week. You've been what? on assignment. But heavy I, assignment. No, not this time. It was surgery. <laughs> Surgical assignment. That's right. We should remind you, Music Biz 101 more. Dr. Esteban Marconi is talking about his neck. Go! Yes. I have a neck. They told <laughs> he me that. He has a beautiful, wonderful, I'm in a brace. see-through neck right now. I have a right little now. bit voice back, but I will not uh, bore you with my voice tonight. I will speak very, very sparsely. Sparsely. But you were in a collar. Your father Marconi. Father yeah. Marconi picks up the rice. Didn't they do that the last time? Did we do that? I think they called me Father Marconi. Really? We should, yes. But it's a much uh, thicker know, was, brace, um, something around the neck. Jess was the engineer. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Jess Frank. Right. Who I saw in Nashville last week. So how was Nashville? Professor David Kirkfield is speaking. Ashley Weltner behind the glass. There's no glass. She's just pushing buttons and dials. By the way, Tom Hefter of Ticketmasters here. Hi, Tom. Hello. Okay, whatever. Yeah. All right. So Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee. That's where I was last mm-hmm. week. That's why we had a recap, a replay. Ken for Maglich. You know Ken? He's a senior agent. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, agent and uh, what do you get when you're partner? Part- partner at uh, UTA. Yeah, and so uh, we had him on next week. Actually, we have David Galea, who is used to be his assistant, is going to be on our show next mm-hmm. week from That's UTA. Awesome. Yes, um, Tom's a ticket master, so he deals with agents and artists and managers. Yep, we're work with UTA a lot. About, yeah, okay. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. So I'm how was the hotel? So I was in a hotel, brand new, brand new hotel in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, the JW Marriott. And at 9 a.m. and at 2 p.m. every day. They have blasting across the street because they're putting in another hotel. Because Lord knows they need more hotels in Nashville. Wow. And the whole building would shake twice twice a day, like clockwork. Wow. And it would freak you out because you would hear this boom, and then all of a sudden the building would shake. What the hell was that? What was that? Yeah. And uh, it turned out to be controlled blasting. Although I was told that it wasn't so controlled not too long before because some uh, blast went into a store and broke some windows. Awesome. So somebody got in trouble for that. I, I've never been to Nashville, and I wouldn't think you need the blast down in Nashville. <laughs> Apparently, I was talking to, I stayed with a friend my first night there. Apparently, that whole area is bedrock. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. And to build anything, all the houses, like outside of Nashville, in um, Nolensville and places like that, they don't have uh, basements because it's all built on oh. bedrock, and it would cost too much money to blast hmm. and build all these basements. So... Tornado Alley has moved and shifted over toward 
closer to Nashville now. Yeah. And all these houses don't have tornado storm cellars or yeah cellars or anything like wow. that so i said so what do you do and he said we just kind of go almost like we were taught earthquakes go into a, a door yep. thing and so uh, i said i'm not going to stay here if there's an earth uh, <laughs> earthquake or with the uh, tornado right so there we go but they also don't have they also don't have pools then in ground pools I, you're right that would make sense because <laughs> i don't see too many pools around they yeah. all be above ground yeah pools yeah. some are in the air and or they just have natural streams natural streams i, I bathed in a stream in nashville <laughs> was only arrested twice for it <laughs> so that was nashville we were in nashville for music biz and actually yes. all summer long for eight weeks we're gonna have uh, our music biz at music biz nashville sessions because music biz one and more was in nashville at the music biz convention and we did great interviews we interviewed some great people like amber grimes who's the evp of Global Creative for the Capital Music Group, a guy named Josh Terry, who's the executive boss of the Sad Summer Music Festival. Have you heard of that? Have you done anything with that? Ashley Weltner, Behind the Glass That Does Not Exist, is happy. And Ashley, what do you have to say? I'm very excited for the Sad Summer Festival this summer. That's good. I don't have my tickets yet, but I'm really pumped because there's a lot of good bands that I really like, and I can see it being the next Vans Warped Tour, almost. It's taking mm. the place of the Vans Warped Tour, which it is just doing is. a couple. I know it's Atlantic City. Um, it's like two or three Atlantic places. Atlantic City, Cleveland, and Mountain View, California, and it's the 25th anniversary, so there's just two days each one. Kevin said that the one in Atlantic City. Yeah, sorry. Kevin okay. Lyman said it was the same one. It'd be like the traditional Warped Tour for Mountain View in Atlantic City, and then except the one in Cleveland is going to be just kind of like they're going to have the Rock Hall exhibit, and then they're going to, um, I think it's like five bands. There's only going to be like one or two stages for mm -hmm. that one. Okay, great. Yeah. And then the Sad Summer Music Festival is going to 18 dates in 17 cities, including Philly, New York, Asbury Park, Vegas. Uh -huh. And it's, it's, it is, uh, they actually talked to Kevin Lyman, who created and ran the Vans Warped Tour, and got his blessing and got help from him and ideas, because um, it has a lot of bands that normally would be on like a Warped Tour. And that was, so we did an hour-long interview. It was great. He talked all about this festival and raising money and, and toilets and, and venues uh. and ticketing. It was really cool. So um, that's this summer. Doc McGee, who we've had on the show before, manages Kiss. Used to, so he talked about Motley Crue, talked a little bit about Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. We got into a bunch of stuff that we didn't get into the last time we interviewed him, which was really pretty cool. And um, Todd Shefflin, a grad of the program, just like you, um, from who's at TikTok now. And we talked about all about his social media platform, Jim Donio from Music Biz, and more. It was great. It's going to be a very good summer here on Brave New Radio. <laughs> Sorry. Gonna, <laughs> that was just my sound effect. You're going to thank anybody? I'd like to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management. With artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent, and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Hyphen. <laughs> CPA.com when you're ready. And our thanks also go out to Christine Vey. Sorry, Christine Vey. So of uh, these interviews, we did interviews in Nashville with people who uh, aren't William Patterson students, and I would point to them, and they were programmed to say, Vey. <laughs> Our thanks to Christine Vey, Wealth Manager and President of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many professionals all over the world manage their investments, plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, if you have questions on anything from investments or portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, give Christine a call at repeat after me. 732-452-455-1510.
1510. Oh, you're going to do it the shortcut. <laughs> Email her, Christine, at theywealth.com for advisement and... Leave the last oi off for savings. That's all we would ever ask you to do. <laughs> this will be a great podcast. This interview with Tom Hefter, Senior Manager, Artist, Marketing, and Ticketmaster. Go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for the newsletter at musicbiz101wp. Instagram is Fitz for Potch Book. And we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify for that podcast. And uh, by the way, fifth year in a row of our show. This is episode 200-something. And again, and you are a... You can speak to this, and you talk about this on, on your LinkedIn profile, how this is one of the – Billboard has stated we're one of the best music business programs in Los Estados Unidos. Yeah, yeah. You, you agree with that? Oh, well, 100%. I mean, being a graduate of it, uh, you know, started here 2005, and what the best part about this uh, but the, this program is, is you guys are realists. I mean, Professor Marconi, I was almost done with my thesis, and I got a job at Roadrunner Records, and it was just taking up too much of my time. And he's like, you know what? Your thesis can wait. Go get your feet settled in the industry. Come on back. And every year around this time in May, mm-hmm. I get the email being like, you going to finish? You going to finish? <laughs> you only have one more year to finish. So in 2010, I finished, got my master's. And I always say I owe this entire program to William Patterson. It's a great program, a lot of networking. Um, I'm in my, what, like 13th year now. Mm-hmm. So really happy with it. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, yes. thank you. And maybe we should start right before we went on air. We were talking about students. Yes. Because you do internships. I was complaining about uh, some students how, and I and I listened, and I before I can talk about my complaint, I was listening to an interview on Promoter 101, which is, a, excuse me, if you ever heard that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Very good. With uh, the president of APA, Jim Gosnell. And he was speaking today about he'll have agents, and they do this thing called covering a show. So if a band artist comes into a uh, territory, um, they need at least one agent from the agency to go and be at that show just to make sure everything's going well, just represent the agency because that artist is allegedly is bringing in revenue. So Jim was saying um, he went with a bunch of uh, junior agents to a show. And then the next day, he called them all in his office. He said, you know, uh, what do you guys, how, what could we have done better last night? And they didn't know what, what. And he goes, I looked at you, all of you guys, I don't know how many, he didn't say how many. Mm-hmm. All of you guys were in a corner of the room by yourselves on your phones oh. texting. Right. He goes, what were you doing? There are human beings there. They're the manager, the artist, the tour manager, all the important people that we as agents needed to know. And you guys were on your phone texting, I'm assuming the office. Um, I mean, you know, but... Right. You that can wait when you're with the artist. Be with the artist, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I bring that up because he, he was saying there he had an intern. No, I'm sorry. Uh, somebody was working at the company's third week, and third week there, the uh, this uh, mailroom person said, "How long until I get out of the mailroom and get promoted?" And he's like, "He's like young people. They don't want to pay dues. They all want it now." Mm-hmm. And he said. Well, a, a whole lot longer now that you asked me that that question. So, and he said the guy ended up leaving. Not that kid ended up leaving that not too long. But um, my my rant, and and you can you actually have a good counter to my rant. But I my do. rant is, I was in Nashville. We opened up these interviews to every college kid who wanted to um, interview people for Music Biz One Hundred and One and more in Nashville. And of eleven students who said they would do it, four ended up actually making it happen. And I kept explaining to these students, this is one-on-one time with people like Tom Hefter, people like the people we mentioned before, Doc McGee, legends of the industry, presidents, executives. Uh-huh. So you can be in a room and you could sit in this and watch a panel from the 27th row and everyone's all checking 
Instagram or Snap, your Snapchat to see what's going on. Or you can actually take advantage of that festival, take advantage of this free opportunity and sit across the, from this president and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And four out of a hundred some odd students took advantage and, and I couldn't believe it. So I'm, I'm saying this is an awesome opportunity. Take advantage of these opportunities. Notice besides a Ashley Weltner, um, who has just completed her junior year at the University of William Patterson. Today was, by the way, graduation day. Give your shout-outs. Yeah, want to give a great shout-out to Caitlin Sperduto. Um, she actually works at Ticketmaster as a contractor. She was my intern in the fall. So she graduated today, uh, part of the music uh, business program, business here, program yeah. which is great. And also want to give a personal shout-out to Christina Sakalakos. She studied uh, sports uh, athletic training here, um, and she also graduated with high honors. So great job. And I also want to graduate everyone who graduated today. From William Patterson. It's a great school. Um, it, you will never replace it. It's such a it's such a great opportunity, and I really hope everyone had a wonderful graduation and a wonderful uh, college experience. Yes, yeah, so you you made almost a new word. We could say congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations exactly. on it's this word. day. Yeah, copyright that one. We like the trademark. Can I continue on what you're saying? It's yeah. like, you know, I, I feel like that sometimes maybe people don't know what to say, and it's like they're they're I don't know if they're afraid. But this is a great opportunity to talk to everyone. Please, I'm telling everyone who's listening, find me on LinkedIn. Send me a LinkedIn request. You can you can find it on the Music Biz site. I will I will always talk to you. We always want new and upcoming people to come on in and talk to us because that's how you learn. When you say pay your dues, I paid my dues. I mean, and I'm still paying my dues. I'm continuing mm -hmm. to pay my dues. It's not like, you know, I'm on the top and everything like that. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly going out there, constantly looking for mentors. I have many mentors in this industry that I continue to talk to. And I always want to shape the young people when they're coming up as well because it's really important. You don't want to have that impression of, you know, I'm sitting in the corner. I just want to be on my phone. No, you want to go on out there and you want to say, Hey, my name is Tom. I found that it takes in this industry at least five times for someone to remember who you are. I'm huh. gonna like I'm gonna meet somebody. You're gonna meet somebody, and they're gonna forget you. What's it, your name? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You have to go on up there, and in a non like you know overreacting way, let's just say you don't want to be like you know up in their face mm -hmm. and being a close talker and everything. But you have to go on up and introduce yourself, and you have to continue to introduce yourself. And on top of that, don't take offense when they don't remember you. Because there's a lot of times where there's so they're they're dealing with the artist manager, they're dealing with the artist, they're dealing with the merchandise guy, they're dealing with you know the 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 hotels that are coming on up. There's a lot of things that are that are going around. But when you start remembering people, you will remember them in a good way. But like you just said right now, out of the eleven people, only four did the interviews. Well, you know those seven that didn't do their interview, and you're gonna remember them because they didn't do something. Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. always say, reach on out. Always make your network. No one's going to yell at you. No one's going to, like, scream at you. We're always here. We're just human. <laughs> yeah. We're just human. Yeah. So. And if you're listening, just take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. Like, you know, put out your hands, say hello, um, take a deep breath. The hardest thing is to, and I was doing this when I was in that, I was alone this time because I didn't have Dr. Esteban with yeah. me. So I'm walking into this, these huge ballrooms with a thousand people and I can't, I don't see any familiar faces at the moment. I'm like... What do I do? Right. All right. Yeah, I was in line for this one dinner, and I was sit, standing behind somebody. I was alone. She was alone. So after a couple minutes, I 
you know, put my phone away because I was on my phone for a second. I tapped her on the shoulder. I said, are you as bored as I am? She goes, do I look at it? And we ended up having an hour and a half long conversation mm-hmm. about what she does. And she purchases uh, copyright from estates and uh, from artists, you know, songwriters and uh, as an investment for her company. But we got into this whole long conversation, you know, traded cards, Facebook addresses, all this kind of stuff. But just say hello because they probably they might want to say hello too and there's always a why someone my boss his name is jeff always told me this great like thing he says the music industry is really 50 people the rest is just smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. and the reason why i say that is is because everybody knows everybody like that person that you may have met in nashville may know someone else and may know someone else and that someone else can be the opportunity for your next position and that's what I always say with everyone. It's like just have an open mind, have an open, like be proactive. That's the right. most important thing. And be proactive on LinkedIn because yes. there are a number of people mm-hmm. I connected with at the conference on LinkedIn or reached out after discussions with them who have not connected back because they don't. Some people are really good with LinkedIn and they check it re- pretty frequently. And there are others who check it maybe once a month. And uh, if you're in this business, LinkedIn right now is very hot. Mm-hmm. It is it is on fire as a social media platform. Um, it's sort of found a second life. And I would recommend to everybody, make sure you're checking your LinkedIn every day. Every day. Talk about opportunity, especially in the business. Everybody in the music industry, whether it's live, whether it's recorded music, whether it's publishing, all these people, they're there on LinkedIn. Tour managers, they're there. And mm-hmm. you should connect uh-huh. with these people. Yeah. Do you have any... I don't want to talk over you, Dr. Esteban. No, so if please, you have, I'm listening. Okay. It's... If at any point... Certainly. I usually don't speak this much at the beginning, so I, <laughs> right. feel, I feel strange. Okay, but somewhat... So why don't we ask cute. Tom, what is a, a typical day like for you? Sure. So a uh, typical day, like, so we're going to Ticketmaster. We are now part of the TM Music team. Um, it changes. Um, what we do is we help artists uh, throughout North America, um, U.S. and Canada, uh, promote their shows when they adopt certain programs. Um, one of the most popular programs over the past two years has been Verified Fan. Um, this is a new way for fans to obtain tickets, uh, through a special presale, you register, and then you can, uh, if you're verified, you get a code, and you can go buy tickets without, like, you know, worrying about, like, bots and scalpers and everything. Um, also, VIP, platinum tickets. So I do a lot of the marketing, but I'm more of the data guy. Um, I put together uh, marketing plans, and then ultimately I look back at how well our marketing plans have done and really dig in deep to the data to see how we can do things better. Um, you can always get better. Like if the most successful campaign happened, that's great. How can we be better for the next time? Because there's always, you're never going to be perfect. You always got to keep reaching for that next step. So I'm very much into data. I also manage, obviously, our interns that do come in and Caitlin, who is our uh, part-time contractor, um, and help them and really help the team answer any questions they have about data, about uh, any of the special projects that are coming on up that are in development. Okay. And your official title is? Senior Marketing Manager. Senior Marketing Manager of, of Artist Marketing? Or, or no? TM, Ticketmaster Music. Are, they switched. Uh, they just switched recently to Ticketmaster Music. So it's it's technically artist marketing. But yes, we do market, our, we do market uh, tours by artists. And we handle about 800 tours a year uh, okay. for our department. So most of the tours that come through, Celine Dion, um, which is funny because even though we're a Ticketmaster company, Celine Dion's an AEG tour. Mm-hmm. She's playing Ticketmaster Rooms, so we're going to help promote them. 
Um, Explain Ticketmaster rooms for those sure. who don't understand Sure. That. So every venue has a, a, a contract with a ticketing company. So if you go to PlayStation Theater in New York, that ticketing company would be AEG. But if you go to Irving Plaza, that ticketing company would be Ticketmaster or Live Nation. So whenever somebody books a Ticketmaster room, which, for example, uh, I don't know if anyone's a BTS fan out there, mm-hmm. but BTS is coming to MetLife Stadium this weekend. Mm-hmm. That is sold through Ticketmaster. So right. that's a Ticketmaster okay. room. So BTS is one of the tours that we did work on. They adopted uh, platinum tickets and I think VIP packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we promoted those. So just so everybody's aware, Live Nation owns Ticketmaster. AEG is the top competitor to Live Nation in the concert promotion business. Mm-hmm. But many times AEG will use the Ticketmaster platform to sell tickets. Um, if they play a Ticketmaster room. So like oh. Prudential Center is a Ticketmaster room. Okay. Um few other ones are uh, okay. as well. Because AEG has it. What's the name of its platform? Is it Access? It is Access. Okay. So like Staples Centers will be on Access. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So do you take part in artists defining a verified fan? So we help promote the verified fan. I personally don't help to tell if there's a verified fan. There's some magic that happens behind the scenes that I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we help get that word out and explain the platform. One of the big things is is that the platform as the the platform has been around for about two years now. We go on out there and continue to explain because not everyone's heard of it, and we want to make sure that fa- that fans understand exactly what it is. Um, so we go on out there, educate the fans not only about the Torah but about the program, um, and to really get the fans hyped about it. We've ran a lot of verified fan campaigns from Elton John to Bruce Springsteen on Broadway to 21 Pilots, to Phil Collins. All of them have adopted the Verified Fan Platform. And just to go through, if, if someone is un, unsure what the Verified Fan Platform is, there's a registration period window. So let's say registration opens on Monday and um, closes on Friday. During that Monday through Friday time, all you have to do is log in with your Ticketmaster account, put a registration request in for the show that you want to attend, and hit enter, and then that's it. What we'll do after that is we'll send, if you are verified, we'll send you an email saying, hey, congrats, you're verified. You're going to get a text message with your own unique password, um, and you can buy tickets starting at this time. Um, if you're not verified, that doesn't mean you're not a, not, a, not a true fan or anything like that. There just may be some, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, some requirement or inventory mm-hmm. levels. So, like, you know, it, there may be more demand than there are tickets, um, and we don't want to get fans upset about that. So you'll get another email saying, hey, you know, you're not verified right now. You're on the waiting list. We'll we'll see what happens, and we can send it out. But it doesn't. Well, when it first hit a few years ago, um, Taylor Swift was made an example because she was with her nicey nicey, saying you're all going to be verified fans, and then she explained how you could move up the ladder, and you move up the ladder by more buying more of her merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I brought it up. Do you guys take part in? Maybe Elton said. One thing, which was very little, maybe um, somebody else, 21 Pilots or whatever, said just the verified fan as soon as they register. So the Taylor Swift campaign I actually didn't work on, and um, it's not a program that I really know about, honestly. Mm -hmm. It was more about um, gauging demand because she actually announced it before Mm -hmm. the shows went on sale. So really can't talk about that much because, I mean, I'm not really sure of the inner Mm -hmm. workings on that. Right. But, like, for just regular verified fan, we can have, as like, that actually is a great way to see your demand on a show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you have, let's say, 
you know, 10,000 registrations in New York and you're only playing a 5,000 cap room, well, that means you can play a higher cap room. Right. And you can go on in there because you have 10,000 fans that want to go to the show. So let's, let's, play a, uh, let's play a higher cap room. So it actually, that's again where it goes back to the data. We can go back and look at this data and utilize it and right. use it. So that is priceless. So it helps battle the bots and it helps the artist sell more tickets and in turn Ticketmaster mm -hmm. and whatever promoter sell mm -hmm. more tickets and therefore also help the artist's career because exactly. they're playing the room that they need to play. Mm -hmm. And they can also see, you know, it said 10,000. Why don't we just do an underplay? This time, this and what time, we can come back, you know, we can back, come back right. on the second leg of this tour mm -hmm. and either play the same room or a little bit bigger, but just build up that demand because there's nothing wrong with greater demand than actual number. Right, of and and I feel like that there's sometimes where artists they like it also it also helps too where like you know the big thing is is like you know the artist wants to sell their ticket for ninety five dollars let's just say like I want my fans I don't want I don't want to take four hundred dollars I want my fans to take to to, to, to spend ninety five dollars. Okay, well that's fine, but someone will go to a secondary ticketing site um, and spend four hundred dollars on that ticket. So, how do we accomplish that? How do we help keep those fans getting that ninety-five dollar ticket and make that make the artist and make the fan happy? That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like a, like a, a lot of times people think that you know you go to Ticketmaster and a show's instantly sold out. And it's like no, it's not. And it's 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 it it, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of explaining to do. The ticketing world is very interesting. Actually, before I came to Ticketmaster, I had no idea how it worked, and I find that a lot of people don't understand how it works. Uh, how it works either, because you know, this is why we want to bring verified fan. We want to help fans get away from that ten o'clock on sale like rush. We mm -hmm. want fans to relax. We want ticket to uh, uh, ticketing purchase to be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned platinum mm -hmm. ticket pricing earlier. Um, or it's not pricing actually, but a platinum no, program. A platinum program. Explain yeah. how that So it's works. a platinum ticket. Uh, what what happens is is we go in and we look at it, and it's almost like a, dyna a dynamically priced ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, we do help promote that. We they're usually great seats um, within the uh, arena, so you can or wherever you want to go, you can have platinum seats in amphitheaters. You can have platinum seats in arenas. So we help promote those platinum seats to say, hey, you want a great seat? Take a look. It's an official. Uh, it's an official Ticketmaster ticket. You know, it's not a resale ticket. It's not us taking it off the platform. It is us saying, like, hey, here's how much the price is, um, and this is the fair price that you should pay for it. And it's really, really, really cool. And that's a way for, again, being that it's, um, what was the word? Dynamically priced. Dynamically which means priced. If, if the demand moves the price up, the, the ticket price can go up. It's almost like a stock market sort of. Airline Supply tickets. and demand. Like an okay, ticket. yeah. <laughs> and um, that's a, a way for the artist... To, to take advantage and uh, get a few extra dollars if the demand is there, not because sure. they're trying to rip off their fans, no, but at all. more there's that demand. The ticket value right. is the market says it's worth that. Why not go with the market as opposed to the um, we just said ninety five dollars right. when it should have been let's say it's the Eagles it should have been one hundred sixty five and they said ninety five but then right. they can get right one sixty five why not sell for one sixty five because somebody's going to sell for one sixty five and get it why can't it go to the artist right. and, it, and it's interesting because it's like that like we all know that artists make their money on touring now so it's like you know we want to make sure the artists keep coming back and that's where we come in and help them like we mm -hmm. come in and help them and help accomplish their goals so as a marketer um you know it, it's not just like oh we're going to go out and promote a platinum ticket we actually do a lot of strategy behind it um i i particularly work on email marketing 
a lot. We use our yeah. own internal tools. So we have email marketing, uh, Ticketmaster's uh, website as well, um, in addition uh, to some other out-of-the-box marketing, like, you know, uh, paid paid advertisement, like mm -hmm. programmatic and SEM marketing. But we uh, we don't just say, like, oh, okay, like, you know, the Eagles are going to go out on tour. Let's just email every Eagles. No, we want to look and, and see what performed well last time, you know, a lot of the term marketing now is spray and uh, spray and spray and pray. Mm -hmm. You ever heard that? Yeah. Where it's like you just throw everything against the wall, see what sticks, and mm -hmm. let it fall down. But we actually like to do more of a tactful marketing um, piece rather than just you know spray and play. Mm -hmm. And that's where the data. Comes that's in. where the data mm -hmm. comes in. That's where the data comes in. Now, before we go into the data mm -hmm. discussion. A couple minutes ago, you mentioned how when you joined Ticketmaster, there was things you didn't know as a layman that now you know. Yeah. What are some of those things that the listener, many listeners are laymen, laywomen, and uh, lay people? And what uh, would that all be correct if I said people with blue hair? Lay, lay people. Yes. Lay, lady, lay, lay upon my big bread bed. Did I sound like Dylan, Dr. Stabon, when Dylan. I said Robert Zimmerman? Not Bob Dylan. No, no. Roberto Dila. Another Dylan, but not so sorry, Bob. No. <laughs> Dylan Shumagelabich. Okay, so anyway, we were back to the question of what don't we know that you think people should know? It's it's interesting because a lot of people, um, it, I never knew how much it, putting a show on sale, how much back-end work there is. Like we have programmers, you're working with the venue, you're working with the artist, you're working with... And let's just say, like, for Celine Dion, there's 30-something dates. So you're working with 30 different venues, 30 different box office managers, 30 different marketers, a national marketer. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know. Um, and it, it's really interesting. It's like, okay, so you have, like, different levels of tickets. You have, like, you know, your open tickets, which are for sale. You have your holds, which, okay, we're holding them back. You have your kills, which are... These seats are not going to be available because there's production there. You have um, your inquiries, which that means someone's in the middle of buying a ticket. So that ticket is not going to show up on Ticketmaster because someone's in the middle of buying a ticket. So it's very interesting to see how much goes into building these shows. And it, it's just it's just mind-boggling. I love the fact that Ticketmaster is 41, 42 years old, and we're still finding better ways to put a show on sale. It's crazy. Well, technology is just... Oh, my God. Crazy. I mean, because really, Ticketmaster, besides the ticketing company, you've really... And here's what we talk about. The, the data, you guys have really uh, evolved into a tech company. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot Software of products. Company. There's a lot of products out there, and I'm not so much on the product side. Like, Verified Fan technically is a product, like, you know, uh, VIP packages and platinum tickets and, you know, added value offers, which is where a ticket includes the copy of the new album, all those are products, but there's tons of products that venues adopt. Um, you know, when they sign on a Ticketmaster, they adopt our platform and they include like, I don't know if you know, but like this year, if you go to Giant Stadium or MetLife Stadium, sorry, old school right there. Um, mm. If you go to MetLife Stadium, there's for the Giants game, you're just going to scan your phone in. That's your ticket. It's mm -hmm. really cool on how, on how they can do that. Um but not only that, but we're also giving reporting to our clients. Like, you know, when I first started, I remember having somebody call up the booker. The booker then called up. 
So in order to get ticket counts, the manager will call up the booker, the booker will call up the promoter, mm -hmm. the, poter, the promoter will say, this is how many tickets you sold, call back the booker, the booker will then call back the manager, and it's like this whole step. You would have to go chase. Mondays were ticket count days. Every single Monday, you had to get ticket counts. And, you know, I'm not saying anyone's shady, but a booker could be like, yeah, we sold 1,000 tickets mm -hmm. when 500 and hold mm -hmm. still. Now, like, artist managers and promoters and all them can, and labels, no, not labels, sorry, sorry, guys, <laughs> but, like, all them can go in there and see these reports in real time to see actually how many tickets you have available, where your holds are, which is great. Like, mm -hmm. that right there yeah. is huge. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, so let's talk about uh, data. Yes. You were in a class of ours last semester, and you talked about data tells a story. It does. Explain what that means. So data is, I say, like music. Like, everyone listens to music, and everyone has a different feeling about it. Um, you can interpret data different ways. And I know a lot of people get scared about data because all they think about, and I don't have visuals here, unfortunately, are spreadsheets. Or you know, looking at these complex equations when it's really not. It's just looking at graphs and looking at certain things to tell a story. So let's give an example of what would be a great data story. So we use a lot for marketing um, engagement metrics. So that means what did the fan do? Like how did the fan react? So let's just say we send an email out right? and we send it out to 100,000 people and 20,000 people opened it. So that right there, if you just do a little simple math, is a 20% open rate. That's important because when you keep sending more and more emails out, you can gain a benchmark. So if you see, you know, certain, let's say your benchmark is 20% and certain emails are falling under the 20% or certain are, falling, are going above the 20%, that's really good because we can see how the fans are engaging. Um, let's just say people opened it but never clicked on it, you know. That's called the click-through rate. Well, your content, like you may have opened it, like you may have engaged a fan, but they're not interested. So mm -hmm. you can take that and learn it. Rather than just sending out the same emails over and over and over again, you can learn from those and tweak your copy and tweak the way that you're targeting. Maybe the fans aren't the right fans. There's so much data in the back end on everything. Everywhere you go, there's data. Whenever you, and in some places you wouldn't even think about it. Um, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but there's just so much that I could talk about data for days. But have you ever gone to a store and they always ask what your zip code is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know why they do that is because they match up your credit card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And then what these third companies do is like Axiom or uh, I forgot the other ones. They can match your credit card with your zip code and then they can report back on your household income, your how many children are present in the house. What level of college, what level of schooling you have? Um, you can even get into a little bit more things like the kind of car you drive. It's it's. Oh yeah, you can go to uh, Home Depot and buy a light bulb, and they ask for your zip code, and then by the time you get home and you go on Facebook, there's ads for light bulbs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's crazy. Right. If you ever go to Amazon and look at something, you will be retargeted yep. in Am within 15 minutes what you didn't purchase on Amazon, mm -hmm. or even if you did purchase it sometimes. Right. It's 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 really interesting on how the uh, how data is being used. So you can use it for both engagement metrics um, uh, for actually seeing how well your campaigns are doing, but also to market new campaigns. Right. 
Interesting. Now, do you think that's good or bad? Like some people hate it. They think it's an invasion of privacy. privacy. Yeah. Um, and others, you could say, well, it's good. They know they're not wasting my time throwing something at me, spray and pray. That has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm a target because I legitimately wanted this. It's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. As a marketer, I personally, I think until it, if you, if you responsibly handle that data, I don't see a problem with it. When you don't responsibly handle that data, then there is a problem. G give an example sure. of responsible and irresponsible. Data. So Facebook, Cambridge, Analytica. Okay. Perfect. Like that's a perfect example of mm -hmm. irresponsible data handling. Like right. don't, don't sell my data to someone else when I don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, if we notice like overseas, there's something called the GDPR. We were talking about this before we got on the air, which is a general data privacy something. I forgot what it's called, like totally. But in the, in Europe now, if you ever notice you're going to these websites, all these websites say we track with cookies. We do all this stuff. Well, that's because GDPR came in and you have to actively say, I accept that or you can't use, technically use your site. Yeah. So that is pretty much because of, I would say, Cambridge Analytica and, and all those other things because fan, people overseas definitely want to know who's using their data. And marketing to them is much more difficult than it is in the United States. Okay. And you would, so the United States does not have that system. Except California. And you, you California's, do you recall what California's? CCPA, it's the, cons, uh, the California Consumer, Consumer, California Consumer Protection. Protection Act. Okay. Or Privacy Act. Uh, that actually goes into effect in 2020. And ultimately, it is going to kind of mirror the GDPR. Um, I read up on it on a little bit, but you can ultimately, if you live in California, you can see where your data is being stored who has it, who has access to it, and has to be removed from it as well. And ultimately, I feel like, like my personal opinion is that is going to um, be in the United States more. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, when we talk about technology, I mean, the t we're talking about the technology of ticketing, but also there's the ticket, uh, the technology of marketing. Yeah. And this is all marketing technology. Yeah. As quickly as they come up with new strategies, some people like it, some people don't. And then there will be people, you know, more gatekeepers, whether yep. it's a government, whether it's an ad blocker. And then it's up to what's a new way then to reach my potential audience. Yeah, this. and it's it's interesting. There was one campaign that one of my coworkers did where um, it was a casino on a beach. And what they did is they set up a geofence. And a geofence is actually like, just imagine you take a look at like a map and you put pinpoints and circle a certain area around the casino. Um, and what they specifically did was circled the beach because mm -hmm. they were on a beach. And everyone who was on the beach uh, got a text message or some sort of ad, I'm not sure what the delivery was, promoting the show that was happening at the casino that night and mm -hmm. said, come on in and get tickets while they're on the beach. Right. And got like a special deal. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. It's It's just amazing on how on how they uh, how they do that now yeah and snapchat has that with geo filters mm -hmm. if you want to mm -hmm. use a special tag and it's built around exactly this location and you can pay them a certain amount of money for uh, a filter to just target people um in that geographic area yeah. with your offer your hashtag whatever it is yeah 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 it's it, it, it's amazing data is a very powerful thing and i think data is worth the most right now because you know who your fans are. I mean, if you, if you take a look at it back in a traditional era, like 
Am I boring you? Yeah. Just, <laughs> so, so thank you. That's it. Thank you for listening to Music Biz 101. We're talking about numbers and spreadsheets. Numbers this and spreadsheets. Terrible. This is horrible. What about the music yeah, industry, man? Exactly. Rock and roll. So think about it. Rock and roll. So think about it. Back in the 2000s, you bought a CD. Did I know anything about you? <laughs> you no. You no, did not, I didn't. No. I didn't. And like did I, when you bought a ticket back then, did I know anything about you? No, no not mm -hmm. at all. Now we can tell exactly, like, look at Spotify. I mean, look how playlists became the biggest thing ever. Like, people trying to get in the top of that playlist, getting featured in that, in, in that playlist, uh, just because of, you know, the exposure you got from it. Um, I, I personally love Spotify uh, because of the um, weekly discovery. Mm -hmm. I have found so many great artists through that way. Me too. And yeah. some of them were not even signed. And it's and that's where I'm like, wow, it's a great music discovery tool that's using data. You know, Spotify knows my exact listening history. You know, looking at my past ticketing history, you know, it, it Ticketmaster knows that I like certain artists or that I like certain musicals that I've went to. It's like, you know, we know all that stuff. And why not why not serve me ads to better cater to my needs? That I think is a personal connection, which is amazing. And that is what's more important right now. Is not just you're lumped in as a music fan. No, you are getting a fact to know me. And I think that's really cool. And it's really evolved from, well, I want to say the early 2000s when we were talking about the long tail. And the long tail was built around sort of the early Amazon thinking, if you like this, then you'll like that. Right. And that's how they were sort of selling by recommending, if I like this book, this other book is similar enough that you mm -hmm. should probably like that. And now it's completely evolved much more uh, specifically than what that was into yeah. something that'll probably a lot more effective because better algorithms, better technology. Yeah, and what's really crazy is it's going to go AI soon, like mm -hmm. powered by Watson. It's it's totally going to go there. Like mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some companies out there that already use it that, right. you know, and, and AI, if anyone's on artificial intelligence, it's it, that is where um, I feel like it could be really beneficial. Um, because sometimes we don't know exactly what it is. We can't make that correlation because we just can't comprehend it where it's like Watson can or whoever can do that. Mm -hmm. so. What about uh, voice recognition technology? Like, can I go to Alexa? Alexa, get me two tickets to see the Who at the Garden. Yeah, you can do it right mm -hmm. now. Okay. You can totally do it right now. You can say, hey, Alexa, buy uh, two tickets uh, for the Garden for the Who and Bring you right to Ticketmaster. Okay. And would it say you're not verified fan? <laughs> no, 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 no. No? No, uh, it would not do that. Um, but, yeah, we it have... It could go that way, though, right. you can imagine, right? <laughs> Instead of having to fill out verified fan, I could do it... I'm talking about not right now, but it could evolve to that point. I where... never, I've never actually thought of that, and I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But what you do bring up is a great thing because, like, Ticketmaster has a distributive commerce team as well. And, like, you know, so all of our... Tour dates are listed on the artist's Facebook page. So as soon as they go live on Ticketmaster, they're instantly fed to the artist's event page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Same thing on Spotify, same thing on Pandora, and uh, same thing on Bands in Town. And that's great because, again, we're using that data to spread that message, to get mm -hmm. it across. It's not just like you have to come to Ticketmaster to find a show. No, it's like you can we're, – we're going to promote that show in every touch point we can uh, in your daily lives. So Alexa, it's like, yeah, Alexa, play The Who. You can be like, well, you know what? I want to go see The Who. Alexa, buy two tickets for The Who at, at, at the Garden. Mm -hmm. Totally do it. Right, okay. They sort of micro-formatted us, like radio did. Mm -hmm. In other words, I know what we like, 
So that's what they're going to push to us. Yeah. Or it's like not only you know what we like, but it also it also sometimes will recommend something that is completely new mm-hmm. that may be just on a little bit of a fringe and then right. y- y- you go on in. It's right, like but I won't be getting point. professional wrestling, most likely, because I've never bought a ticket that even comes close to professional wrestling. Right. You like hockey, though? Excuse me? Do you, li- <laughs> do you like hockey, though? Oh, interesting. Sometimes. Because it's it's really interesting. Uh, I understand that, yeah. Because you yeah. don't know why. It's like we actually, I used to, one of the accounts I used to work was WWE. Mm-hmm. And one of their high propensities, which is like a correlation, was hockey tickets. Makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Even though there's less fighting in hockey now than there <sighs> used lame. to be. Yeah. Totally lame. It's like I touch you and there's a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's May and hockey season is still going. Did you know? Yeah, but Bruins. Um, Bruins, that's the closest, yeah. the closest okay. team. Um, on your LinkedIn profile. It says, working together with artist managers, promoters, agents, and labels, I help artists achieve success when utilizing Ticketmaster's set of unique products. So we talked about argent, um, sorry, artist managers, mm-hmm. promoters, agents, labels. Can we talk about the discussion, discussion with each of those parties? Sure. Like fr- from your perspective, when you talk with an artist manager, mm-hmm. what, it, what are you guys talking about? Um, it depends. I mean, it, it ultimately depends on the cycle of the tour. And when we say cycle of the tour, it's like there's multiple cycles of the tour. There's mm-hmm. the planning stage where you get the routing. You get to find the places you're going to play ultimately. Um, what um, what what um, your, your ticket price is. Like mm-hmm. what, what city should you play in? What room should you play in? And then after that, um, you have the uh, pre-sale, on-sale period. And whatever, um, you know programs they have adopted, whether it's a VIP or a platinum ticket or a, a verified fan. And then after that, like a lot of people are just like, okay, we went on sale. Let's slog it for the next five, six, seven months. Well, we're there to help them. And like, you know, we always say like, if you have a temple event, so if you're on Kimmel or you're dropping an album or you're doing something else, like a new single is, is charting, let us know because we can help our marketing as well. Uh, help with our marketing as well. And then at the end, usually the last two weeks is also like the, the last minute buyers that come on in. So we want to make sure we have um, marketing up is there as well. So when we're talking to artist managers, it's not just like, oh, hey, we're just going to do this for you and that's it. It's more of a ongoing relationship with them. Um, and it's actually for all of them. We go back and we consult with them. We go back and say, hey, you're having an issue? Okay, let's figure out what this issue is. Um, and it, it's better than us just saying, Okay, we'll execute this marketing, and then we're 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 said and done. We are here for the long haul. So um, I'll give a great example that one of my favorite festivals to work is the Made in America Festival every year mm-hmm. uh, down in Philly. Um, I work with Live Nation a lot on this, and the reason why I like working on it because every year it's different. It's like every year you have a different set of artists that come on in there. Um, so you know we have the pre-sale, we have the on-sale. We help them, you know, promote that. Then throughout the timing, which it's on sale right now, we're trying to figure out the best time to promote it. Well, Memorial Day. Great time to promote it. Summer starting. This is great. The performance happens on Labor Day. And then right at the 4th of July, hey, Made America's coming on up again. Uh, they just announced new artists today that are coming on it. We had some extra marketing hit because they had new new artists come up on it. So it's not like it, it's it's more of a comprehensive, consultative approach to marketing to help these people. So that includes managers, that includes promoters, that includes agents. We all 
cater to their needs. Suppose, <clears throat> I'm thinking um, Panic at the Disco. No, I worked that tour. Uh, and we had their, um, not them, but the opening band was Arizona. Mm -hmm. And Arizona's manager is Jake Posner. Mm -hmm. Agent David Galea. Galea will be on next week. Um, but they're the opening band, so people are buying. To, how? What are you doing from an Arizona perspective if they're the opening band for a Panic at the Disco? So I think, and I'm not positive, but Arizona may have been one of our new music favorites. It was our... Um, like kind of like a tastemaker, mm -hmm. uh, so. Uh, but we help we help any of them. We we always we always help uh, any of the artists and any of the people who come on up. So if Arizona's like, hey, we need help, no problem. We'll come on in. We'll help. You adopted some programs. We'll totally do it. Um, Panic at the Disco had VIP packages, so we ha help them promote their VIP packages. Um, Arizona. Like, uh, we have worked with them before, so we will help them as well. If they like, I think they had VIP packages as well, so we'll give them some extra support as well. So, so, um, because I know a lot, I'm, I'm thinking now from an opening band perspective, because they're sort of at the mercy of the headline, of course, they are, yeah. Um, because they, they're the guests, they've been asked to be on this tour. Mm -hmm. So, Arizona, and I'm, I know I'm suddenly kind of getting into VIP just for a second. Sure, so sure. Panic at the Disco obviously will have. You would assume VIP packages. So Arizona, the opening band, um, even though they're on the ticket and the price is whatever Panic at the Disco basically says it's going to be, you could also offer a VIP Arizona package sure. as the un, um, you know supporting act on that sh play. So VIP yeah. is very interesting. VIP can. Why be, do you make a sound? You know, what's wrong? Well, because you got still got to pay Panic at the Disco's price mm -hmm. for the ticket. Well, well, I guess my question is. But if you're, and <laughs> as you were kind of, so you're, but if it's a VIP package, right. So you'll buy uh, for $1,800, you get the ticket, really good tickets, but it's an Arizona themed VIP package. Uh -huh. um, would Arizona get more money? Is that a way for Arizona, the opening band well, to get more money? That's kind of where I'm But nine out of 10 at. times the opening band works for a flat guarantee. Yes. Now the one thing that, that, it has to be said is like VIP packages are sold through VIP packagers. So these conclude, include CID, uh, Future Beat, which actually was bought up by CID, um, VIP Nation, mm -hmm. uh, SLO. Um, Warner Music Artist Services. There you go, Warner mm -hmm. Music Artist Services as well. They are the third party, and then they come to us with a fully baked program. Okay. They come to us with a fully baked package that says, you know, we're going to sell this. This is, what, this is what they get, and this is the price that they get. So this is the price that we're going to charge. So let's just say, you know, Panic at Disco has one. Arizona can have one as long as it's fine with Panic, like Panic at Disco's team. Um, and as long as they are totally fine with the pricing. It's like you don't want to sell an Arizona price for $500 or VIP and then Panic at Disco's is $300. No one's going to buy that. Right. But, yes, there you can have an opener. I have seen it before. Um, many times, actually, that an opener and a headliner does have a VIP package. The only thing they have to figure out is ultimately where the inventory is going to come from. And I say inventory, the ticket inventory. So if you're playing in an arena setting, there's only so many front row seats that you can have. Mm -hmm. um, so the opener is probably not going to get, like, you know, the absolute best seats, but they'll still be pretty good seats. They'll probably be right. like a P1, price level one ticket. And I guess that can make sense in, in certain markets. Mm -hmm. if, if the opener is really strong... And because they're an opener, so obviously they're not strong. And we'll just take domestically, you know, in the 48 continental contiguous, is that the right word, states? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, there was an interesting, at least 10 years ago, 
at um, at Giant Stadium. I think it was called Giant Stadium at the time. Mm-hmm. Dave Matthews. Yeah. And his opening act was, um, oh, no, no, it just escaped me. African-American woman. Um, Tina had, Turner. No, she had about 10. Oh, God. It'll come to me anyway. Now, Dave Matthews doesn't attract African-Americans. So he picked uh, Gray. What's her name? Her last oh, name? Macy Gray. Macy yeah. Gray. Yeah. Um, so he picked her to try to boost his. Right. In, in other words, it's just not just an opening act to take the time, but there was a, a madness to his method for that. So I was there with my son. Uh, it was a great concert, but of course, Dave Matthews guys, they all tailgate. Right. So she played to no one. No one. There was 200 in Giant Stadium, if you can (laughs) imagine. Everybody ran up front. And she's on stage lying on her back, actually singing. Singing. And there's a band of, I think I counted 12. Wow. The first thing I said is she's she's got too much fat on the the bandstand. (laughs) Not making any money money at all. Right. But anyway, that was, you know, so that, yes, the opening act and doing all that, like you just mentioned, if the opening act is big in a certain area, there'll be a reason for that. Right. You know, and that's why I think many times, if I'm not correct, the uh, Rolling Stones will have four or five different opening acts because they're strategic to where, as if the Stones need it. Yeah, anything, the, you know. I think that the last, the, the Stone story is up now, I think it's just the evening with the Stones. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, if you read Bill Graham's book, have you ever read, read Bill Graham's book? You would really find it Which interesting. One? Oh, shoot. He, oh, yeah. It was his... Autobiography, okay. yeah. or biography of him, uh, an oral biography of him. Uh, excellent book, um, completed right before he died. And um, he talked about with the Stones when he was uh, doing a Stones tour, I want to say very early 80s, like pr- almost pre-MTV. Oh, uh, 81. Okay. Um, with the tongue. Uh, start Me Up, that tour. Uh, um, whatever okay. that tour was called, Pre-Steel Wheels, the one before that. Anyway, um, they were going to certain markets. They went to Texas and they got ZZ Top to open for them because they wanted to guarantee that they could sell out a stadium. Mm-hmm. And they went to certain places. And the ZZ Top, as the opener, owned Texas. So ZZ Top actually in this threatened to not go on stage unless they, the day of the show, they, they asked, asked for more money. You know, uh-huh. and it became this whole thing. And Bill Graham said, fine, don't go on stage. And he called their bluff and they ended up going on stage. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that show sold 100000 tickets but that back in early 1980s they hadn't toured in a while they needed that the stones at this point are such legends yeah absolutely they're they're total legends there's a lot of evening like i mean evening with the rolling stones and Mm -hmm. i mean it's sad that mick had to go through some surgery and postpone that tour but i mean if anyone's listening out there go see them because again it's like like, i've been noticing that there's a lot of like icons that are going on like that are going out for I know it's not the Rolling Stones' last tour, but like Elton John, Elton John's last mm-hmm. tour is coming is coming around. And, Kiss, Kiss, their last tour. Yes, their last tour. Um, Year but- and a half. Share <laughs> her her fourth last tour. It's, right, exactly. Who, I, the first show I ever saw was 1982, The Who, and it was the farewell tour. Right, they're going back out again. <laughs> they just right. played the Garden two right. days ago. Yeah, right. they're back out again. Twenty seven years later. Go see these like iconic musicians because there's a lot that you know we're not seeing anymore. And, personal but it's like we're never gonna see michael jackson again you're never gonna see like you know george michael again you're never gonna see all of uh like you're never gonna see pink floyd again unfortunately right. it's it's rem or beastie boys beastie yeah, boys I mean, right yeah mm-hmm. it stinks but i want to take a step back because of this data yeah 
it ties in very much to politics because everything, Dr. Esteban, that you just said that Dave Matthews does is what politicians do, mm-hmm. in which they, for example, Bernie Sanders is running for president. He's not very strong within the African-American community compared to uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. So he will do certain things to try and up his standing, specifically among uh, Democratic african-americans because he's not been strong there kind of like what you're saying dad Mm -hmm. matthews was trying to do and Mm -hmm. kind of like the whole thing about um finding the right opening act because of certain markets because they're going to make us stronger there that's like choosing a vice presidential candidate because i can't do texas on my own i'm going to pick beto or o'rourke as my vp because maybe i can win texas you know, mm-hmm. so um, uh, so and that but the, a lot of that I'm realizing from a political standpoint is data. Yeah, that we we look at it from this whole macro thing, but there's a lot more of it. And that's kind of what you're yeah, seeing and yeah. collecting. It, it's data is is really important. You, like like go back for everything, politics, um, health, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's it, mm-hmm. it, it, it. We have so much data available to us right now that. Um, there was a good, there was a good slide I actually brought up in the class that I was in, in November. I, I have to remember it, but 95% of the world's data was generated last year. Mm-hmm. This year, 95% of the world's data will be generated. It just keeps exponentially right. growing and growing and growing. Mm-hmm. One of the great things I saw last year was, um, uh, Netflix, every, uh, every, uh, is either Netflix or YouTube, but one of the two, every minute, 16 years. It's YouTube. Yeah. It's YouTube. Yeah. 16 years of video is being streamed on YouTube oh, every yeah. minute. Right. And it was something like there's, there's, there are things like there is more content uploaded onto YouTube like every two minutes yeah. than was ever created. Created ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. In the history yeah. of mankind. You ever. Know, it's- uh, every minute, I think 300 million email messages go out. Like right. uh, uh, Amazon makes two hundred and fifty thousand dollars every minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is mind boggling on how much data it has. And now coming up with five G that that's coming out there. I don't know if anyone's been reading that, but they're gonna they're saying that it's potential to download a two hour movie in five seconds. Yeah, I hear five G is so revolutionary compared to what we're like it's used like, to now. Right, and it's what's really interesting too is if you go to a show. Um, if we go to a show, what are people doing? They're they're mm-hmm. on their phones, experiencing it through their phones. Mm-hmm. That's just data again, right, right there. That's just another touch point that we can touch on. We're coming up to the top of the hour. Oh, We're going to go a little bit That's, over. Okay, we can go a little bit over. But you want to play the uh, station ID? WPSC, Wayne, New Jersey. On the radio, 88.7 FM. Online, GoBrave.org. A tune-in radio station, part of the William Patterson Broadcast Network. Alrighty. Broadcasting live from Hobart Hall in Wayne, New Jersey. This is The Interview. The Fearless. They have awesome variety. The Kick-Ass. I love Brave New Radio. The Sensational. I've never heard anything like it. This is the one and only Brave New Radio. I think they're really unique. I've never heard anything like it. Those are all my voices <laughs> that I throw onto that uh, station identification here. So it's Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio. And we've been talking with Tom Hefter 
uh, Ticketmaster going a little bit over because why not? Graduation, why not? congratulations to everybody who graduated yes, today. Congratulations. And we're talking a little bit more about this. Where were we? So we were just talking about... Just how much data is yeah. generated every single day. Uh, it, it It is mind-boggling. I mean... I, I really wonder how many like Game of Thrones fans are out there. How many people? Oh, what was it? The the season premiere. I don't know if anyone's Game of Thrones fans, but the season premiere HBO streaming crashed within within the first twenty mm -hmm. minutes because there was just too many people trying to access it. Right, right, right. That's that's awesome. I think that's so cool. And we, where we come from in the past, and think about it, the iPhone's only what thirteen years old, like uh, twelve years old. It's like a teen. It's yeah, it's, it's a teenager. It's, it's, just imagine. It's about to get grounded because yeah. it's, it's it's drinking in the basement. <laughs> yeah, it is. Back. It is. Right. But just think what's going to happen in the next five to ten years. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Well, one thing you said when you were were here is you said seventy nine percent of executives agree you will lose your competitive advantages if you don't embrace big data. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't like big data is around us no matter what. The mm -hmm. the biggest thing we can name two companies that I actually brought up to the class. Um, that didn't embrace big data. And one of them uh, was Sears, mm -hmm. and one of them was right. Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. They did not, and it, which really boggles my mind about Sears because Sears was the original big data company. Back in the 1800s and 1900s, Sears actually had your address and mailed you this monster two catalog. ton catalog yeah. that mm -hmm. sold everything from wagons to houses. Mm -hmm. And you would just send in an envelope and say, I wanna buy this, and you pay for it, and they would come out and give it to you. It was the it was the 19th century Amazon, and where did they go? They didn't embrace big data. They bought Kmart out, which was whatever. What can you do? Mm -hmm. Toys R Us got crushed by Amazon, and I mean, I'm sad for all those Toys R Us people who lost their job. But you have to embrace big data, no matter what, in every single industry. You have to do it. That's why you see everyone has apps now. KFC has an app. I didn't know that. Taco mm -hmm. Bell has an app. Um, Starbucks has the best app. Starbucks has yeah. a, has a great app, mm -hmm. um, and like you you're going on there and looking at it, and every single time you order it, Panera is one of my favorite apps. I love Panera, and they remember when I order. I just click on it one time shot. I go in instantly pick it up because mm -hmm. they know exactly what I want. It's data. That's 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 me cutting out 15 minutes of my life right there to go up and actually be human and talk to somebody. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. me actually just ordering and going to pick up my food. And they don't have to talk to anyone. Right. But that's mm -hmm. that's the great part about it is because and that kind of gets back to the, what we talked about very early in terms of direct marketing to you. I yeah. mean, that's the ultimate B2C business to consumer mm -hmm. when the consumer is just going directly to you. Um, this is what I want. And then I'm getting it. Yep. Uh, now, what's interesting uh, when we talk about blowing it. Um, Toys R Us blew it because they actually used Amazon to fulfill yes. all their initial uh, internet orders when you go back, I don't know how many years, 15 years ago. Yeah. And um, they outsourced it to Amazon as opposed to investing, investing in, themselves. It in themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think they also didn't look at their data because, <laughs> and you can verify this too, Dave, you can take your kid there almost every day up to a certain age mm -hmm. and then there's nothing for them. Yes, they didn't. They didn't follow the trend of the bulk of the population, and they stayed with the zero through whatever number mm -hmm. it was, and I think that hurt them badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very badly. And to to me, that's like music artist who doesn't grow with their fans. Yeah. To right. me, that's um, Madonna announced a tour, and uh, Madonna's new music to me 
and I'm not necessarily her core fan anymore, or I really was, but 1983, when she came out with her first big songs, and she owned the 1980s mm -hmm. um, and did very well in the 90s. Um, but she's still trying to be Madonna from, we'll say, 1993, 1996, yep. as opposed to a, about a 60-year-old woman who's going through whatever 60-year-old woman goes through and her right. audience is in their 50s and 40s and 60s you know and they're going through that too and, and so to me that's somebody who could have the power to speak and that's to me is where data could come in mm -hmm. and now there's her muse and she's going to fall as an artist she's going to do what she does but looking at it from a different perspective you could say madonna your audience is this old this is what your audience does this is what they buy this is what their interests are that hear the psychographics the demographics of, of your audience speak to them and maybe you'll you know have this sort of rebirth but she might not feel she needs it but at the same time too i give her a lot of credit for actually embracing the younger artists so the first song that she released was was with maluma mm -hmm. um who is a, a a latin star i mean that is she's actually going on out there and tapping into a new market it's like i'm always for those artists that are going out there and try something new um, it's funny to me. That's old. Really? Yeah. To me, that's she's trying to. She, in my opinion, is it my cynical opinion is she just still wants still wants to hit teenagers and and early twenty year olds as opposed to um, why is she going for that instead of going doing something with Sting or doing something with Paul Simon who might you know or you know if you want to feature do an interesting feature instead of doing the feature with that. Now she's trying to go into the Latin market. So that's new and that's different and that's fair. But Despacito is huge. To me, that's not Madonna being a groundbreaking artist anymore. To me, that's everybody does features. I'm going to do a feature. Right. I, I feel like though that part of it is because she did live, live overseas and I think she lived in Portugal for the past three years. So she's right. trying to embrace that, that, like that mm -hmm. culture, which is, which is totally cool. But I think like what, what's really awesome is, you know, she continues to evolve. I still think she continues to evolve. Like, no mm. one wants to hear, like, yeah, great. Madonna was great in, in the 80s. I personally liked her in the 90s. Like, I thought mm -hmm. she was awesome in the 90s. Um, I still think Ray of Light is one of her best albums that she ever put out because she really embraced, like, that new, like, you know, dance, like, techno-type sound. Um, and she continues to experiment. And that's what artists need to do. I know, like, we always say, like, you know, like, what, like when we have listeners, like, you know, what, what, what advice can I give to them? It's like, always try something new. When I first started this uh, uh, this career, I wanted to be an A and R, just like everyone else. Everyone wants to be an A and R. <laughs> I started off as a street team guy. I went out to shows. I would hand out flyers. It was a very tough job because I was out at shows every night. Yes, it's very hard, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Ultimately, I never said I wanted to sit and do data. But I tried something new, and then I became a subject matter expert, and then a, what? a subject matter expert on it. That's what they call it. They call them SMEs. You become, and I don't like the word expert because I always say it takes about 10, 15 years for you to become an expert at something. Um, but that's the term in the, uh, in the business world is called subject matter expert. Um, but when someone has a data question for marketing on our team, they come to me. Um, and I naturally just progressed there because I'm like, I, I felt hey, this is kind of cool. Let me try it. And it wasn't someone coming up to me saying, oh, you should learn data. It was me just taking that step. Again, going back to the proactiveness and saying, you know, try something new. Go on out there. Take advantage of that because that's all, this, this is where it led me. So. Uh -huh. Yeah, but that's, that is great. Dr. Stevon, do you have anything more? Um, I was just going to say that when we were on this subject about an artist always 
looking for something new. Even Ashley can tell you as it was a, an exam question, final exam question, actually. Is an, an artist usually has two choices to be successful. One is to challenge their audience by changing. Mm-hmm. Um, David Bowie. Mm-hmm. The other one is to stay consistent over time. Bruce Springsteen, Rolling Stones, the Eagles, so on and so forth. So there are plenty of artists that have stayed consistent over time that have continued to keep their audience and even get new people. And the country people are great examples of that because you go to a country show and you get three generations, sometimes you get four generations of people going to that show, listening to the same, all my exes lives in Texas or whatever. (laughs) So those, you know, two, there are many artists that try to change and you can change, but the the um, the challenge to changing is to find representatives. In other words, you can change, but if nobody follows, then you're you're just you're you're nothing. You didn't right. you didn't make it. So you can be a Miles Davis and cha- challenge his audience and change. And then there are other people that do the same thing, and Charlie Parker or whatever. And you then have a legitimate change that you made. And that's certainly what Madonna did when she went from Material Girl and she was growing out of Material Girl and the beads and everything. So she brought her audience with her. Right. When you get to be her age now, um, are people my age and older than Dave, are they going to be buying Madonna no matter what? I mean, nobody goes to Rolling Stones. They hear new Rolling Stones. No, no. They could care less. They want to hear satisfaction and relive 50 years ago, you know. Well, if you if you notice, there's been a lot of tours now that do, like, celebrate an album. Right? And yeah, they play it from absolutely. the back. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like... So you two Joshua Tree a couple right, years ago, right. for yeah. example. Yeah. Right. 25th yeah. anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. When when are you ever going to see Joshua Tree played live mm-hmm. front to back? Right. Mm-hmm. Like... Never. It's when you realize you only listen to one side of Joshua Tree. Yeah. <laughs> As did the rest of the stadium, which sat down on side two. <laughs> so the hits and then... Yeah, yeah, then, then side two. Oh, that song was on there. Yeah. But that's that's what they're yeah. doing. I mean, that, and that, like, you're you're exactly right. But what's really interesting, and I, and I do want to bring up if I have a second, but um, let's say, like, you know, you, you say, like, changing... I know a lot of people say album cycles, like you know, they're, like you do mm-hmm. like that two-year album cycle and everything like that. I personally think that album cycles are done. Yeah. If you notice, uh, Pink just released a new album. Yeah. And she's still touring on her past album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How cool Ariana is that? Grande. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Second album, album, and she was still working. The right. Last How awesome is that? It's yeah. just you just it's just it's cool because you're keeping your audience engaged. You're constantly mm-hmm. keeping them engaged, and that's where data can help. Well, especially in today's world yeah. where we lose interest more quickly because our time what do you call um we we can't stay focused on one artist as long as we used to we used to be able to wait two years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in between paul mccartney albums or police albums or whatever it was and now um if if we don't something else is going to come in and fill that void and maybe i won't buy tickets to it because i I fell falling in love with this other thing it's like i look at the edm scene and those djs are pumping out a song a week Mm -hmm. like just Mm -hmm. new song new single just keep cranking yeah. it out. They never stop. And I feel like that the, the the regular, like just the whole music industry is starting to go like that. It just, just keeps cranking out. Like, mm-hmm. like Maluma may not have a new album out, but 
he's on with Madonna. It's like they're keeping yeah, fans engaged. The features. Mm -hmm. so. Yet, in the Americana side, it's still album-based. We had mm -hmm. uh, the president of Rounder Records on recently, mm -hmm. and um, he was talking about, we were bringing this up, and he, now there's still album tour, album tour, because he said that's the audience is still right. there for that. And when we met with uh, Joe Riccatelli, um, co-president of RCA Records recently, we were talking about that, for, specifically with Foo Fighters, and he's, even though they sort of um, trickled with a few singles before their last album came out, which is almost two years ago now, right. um, he said they were still, I'm still the audience, and they're still an album band, and they're not yet at that point, because they're still, at that point, we're still selling hard goods and downloads right mm -hmm. which is good though because they know their audience through their data mm -hmm. yes goes back to the data mm -hmm. where the edm crowd is younger you have to keep them constantly engaged right. they know their they know chain the smokers is a good example of constantly putting out yeah stuff yep and and the, the other side of it is is um while you may run the risk of quote unquote overexposure which i don't think is as big a deal today as it was 25 years ago when mm -hmm. you two put out um, Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum, I forget what the other thing, mm -hmm. and plus the movie, and there were like too much, too fast. Right. That was a different time. Um, now, since it's, it's just different now. But um, the other side is take advantage before it's gone. Yeah. You know, because EDM, you know, a certain artist in EDM might not be working, meaning their audience might be gone in three years or mm -hmm. might, you know, it's... It's still tough. Yeah, I mean, we look at the BTS craze right now. Like, uh, and for those who don't know BTS, it's like uh, it's a K-pop band, Korean pop band. Yeah. Um, they're playing two MetLife Stadium shows. I bet you, if I said BTS six months ago, certain people would be like, "What?" They're all yeah. over the news right now. I mean, it was it was so crazy. They did the the Good, Good Morning America, America summer stage, and there were a thousand people camping in tents mm -hmm. since Sunday, and. Yeah. It's been pouring here right. <laughs> since Sunday, mm -hmm. and no tents, and no tents. <laughs> like right. it, it is, it is crazy. But you know, they're right now. They have that. They have that momentum. They have that drive. Mm -hmm. So, and it's like a lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I actually want to pop in on the K-pop thing because sure. my roommate's a huge K-pop fan, so she um, finds the need to tell me everything about it. Um, the interesting thing about K-pop bands is they will release an album and then they'll tour and then they'll completely shut off on social media for a very like a few months while they write another album like come back when and then they come back and they release their album and they go a bunch of shows and they do all these big things like um the good morning america stage or elvis duran or things like that and i don't know if like that has anything to do with keeping their audience but I know um, my roommate was really, really pumped because the one band that she liked just came back and she got, she was like watching all the live videos and singing along and it was like a holiday for her. What band was it? I think it's Twice, but I'm not sure because she listens to so many. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting yeah. time um, in terms of international. It started, oh, yeah. you could say, with Despacito. Mm -hmm. There have been people have been trying for years. When I was in school, Marconi was my professor. Um, we were talking about you, the guy over there, Dr. Esteban, it was always novelty. If they didn't sing in English, it was a novelty 
hit, and then it would be one song, then gone. There was never this sort of yeah. revolution. And now, maybe it's happened. Maybe you could say it sort of started with Psy a few years ago, with Gangnam Style. Now you have Despacito. Now it's different languages, you right. know, so. I would say, like, reggaeton got really big yeah. in, like, the early, mm -hmm. like, mid-2000s. And I think that was, like, kind of, like, an mm -hmm. opening of the door. That might have been the jump start. The jump start mm -hmm. of, uh, of it, because you had a whole new style of music right. coming on in. Um, well, maybe it can happen now because we're in the era of access and on yeah. demand. And another thing you always talked about was radio was the gatekeeper mm -hmm. back then. It was the mm -hmm. filter. And all, cause all we had was radio and a magazine that would talk about what's going on in Europe or something. Um, and now we don't need to rely on radio to tell us what to listen to because mm -hmm. of the data that we're getting through Spotify, Spotify or YouTube, Apple music, Apple or, music Amazon, Amazon music, yeah. all of that. It's you are building my profile right like you're giving me artists that i want to listen to so you could almost i wonder if it can't be stopped now not like it used to be stopped but i wonder if now it's going to keep going just because well here's here's why it would work data you could say could be pushing this because if i'm ashley's roommate and i'm listening to this k-pop so her discover is going to push some other k-pop which she's going to listen to she'll tell ashley she'll share it because i share stuff right all the time um through my phone on from spotify so more people are sharing it and um we're all listening it's affecting our algorithm so we're being pushed more content like that um that otherwise we would not hear right and it just exponentially grows versus again the the 1990s model of it's on radio right maybe we can hear it and there are only so many slots available to put a new song out what's really cool though is at, at in in my office uh the ticketmaster we have a, an im messaging system called slack mm -hmm. actually just yeah. went public i think um and you can create a channel and one of the channels that we created is called Now Playing, and people can share what they're playing through like Spotify links, Apple Music links, YouTube, whatever. You just copy and paste the link, and there's still some human element to it. Human element mm -hmm. into it. It's not just all big data. It's like, hey, this band just dropped, like this band just put out a new single. Like, take a listen to it if you if you like this. So I still and but then once I go play that. I'm instantly picked up in that data feed, and it's like, well, you listen to this, so let's 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 mm -hmm. recommend you this. So the possibilities are infinite, right? Yeah. Well, I think uh, this show could go infinite, but I think it's probably time to stop because Dr. Stabon is sure. still getting over his surgery, like a turtle. Yes, he, he's. <laughs> we'll take a nice picture, and that'll go up on our Twitter yeah. and Instagram, and yeah. and by sign up for that newsletter, and you'll see a great picture of it. But no, we want no tweets. It goes back to the very first discussion we had where we, the number of tweets came in because grad, congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Graduation day. Yeah. They're more interested in not listening to Tom not Hester. Listening, not listening. That's why this podcast is going to be so good. Yeah. Um, I felt like I, I feel very stupid right now. I felt like this was not a good podcast for me. It was great for Marconi because he said very little, which I think exposed me that much more to my yes. in, inability to think. So you sounded great, oh, Tom. You. I think if we were going to do a review of the podcast, right, Philp would be not be it. good. Marconi be cutting all this out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share. I want this to go into the big data of the world. The world knows. Yeah. How, um, so next week, here I am. Next week we'll have a radio show. David Galea, mm -hmm. agent at UTA. The week after that, uh, another very exciting episode. Danny Goldberg is going wow. to be here, who is the author of uh, the Kurt Cobain book Yes, that is out. And um, so he's going to call in as and well. he managed 
manager. Kurt, for quite a while. He was the head of Mercury Records. Wow. He was the head of uh, Artemis Records. That's right. Years. And he was a chairman of the Warner Music Group for a little while, or Warner Brothers Records, one or the other. He all was the 90s. manager not only Nirvana, but Courtney Love. Courtney Love. Right. I think prior to that, mm, it's escaping me now. Yeah. Uh, a legend in the industry. Allman Brothers. He had to say, he wasn't Greg Allman because that was Dave Laurie, but he was uh maybe all of them. He might have yeah. But lots of good we'll stuff. We'll, we'll find out. He'll be yep. here. We'll talk about it. So there we go. So Tom Hefter, thank you so much. Tom yes. Hefter, everybody. Thank Tom you. Hefter, no, everybody. thank you for having me. So good. Oh, stop it. Don't do that to us. <laughs> Dr. Esteban, thank you so much, Dr. Well, Esteban. Thank you very Martin. much. And my co-host who has exposed himself. Exposed himself. That's literally. That's <laughs> disgusting. Thank Professor God David we did live Kirk Phil. That is I. And we should thank also Ashley Weltner. Thank you, Veltner. Veltner, Veltner, oh, you're so good, Veltner. It's good to have you here. Play something on the accordion after this. So we go. Well, thank you for listening to Brave New Radio. From thank you for listening German to Music Biz to 101. <laughs> Back to Germany. You see how I did that? Yes. And it, yeah, it was supposed According. to be Catskills a bit too. Nineteen fifty-seven in the Catskills. <laughs> I think I blew that whole thing. But um, so, so thank you for listening. We want to thank you for listening all the time. At the end of every show, we don't say hello. That would be silly. So Tom, do you know what we say at the end of every show? You I've, could say it with me as I begin. I we say, Adios. Uh,